Hi, and welcome to Poetry Aloud. I'm your host, Hannah Russelo. On Poetry Aloud, I connect with other contemporary poets and read their work. We communicate back and forth over email or over Skype, and I ask them the following questions. Why did you choose these words? What were you feeling when you wrote this poem? What were you hoping to communicate? What would you like us to know about your poetry? Every week, I read one poem that they chose from their collection and one poem that I choose from their collection. Then I talk about their work and provide some insight into what they were thinking while writing and what I was thinking while reading. At the end of the show, I read some of my own poems and provide you with ways to join this little poetry community that I'm trying to create. Welcome to Poetry Aloud. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the sixth episode of Poetry Aloud. (laughs) Um, Six is my favorite number, so I'm very excited for this one. Uh, I know it's been a while. I've had a difficult summer. I'm still having a difficult summer, but I needed to go back to something that makes me happy, and this makes me happy. So hopefully this spark of joy will also bring you a spark of joy. (laughs) Um, Before I get started with today's episode, I wanted to give you guys a really cool announcement I just received copies of my um, latest collection, Ocean Currents, in the mail, and so now you can purchase both Ocean Currents and Fragments of You on my website, um, which is hannahrusolo.com. I'm going to spell it out for you again. It's H-A-N-N-A-H-R-O-U-S-S-E-L-O-T.com slash shop. I'll put it in the um, podcast description as well. So if you're interested in a signed copy, you can go ahead and pick one up there. Today I'm going to be talking about Erica Abbott's self-portrait as a sinking ship, which I am (laughs) really pleased to be able to share with you. Um, Erica, like me, writes a lot about her inner world, about the things that are happening within her and how she responds to them, and this book really speaks to that, so I'm super eager to share that with you. Before I read the two poems that I picked for today, I do just want to point out that the book itself is split into many different sections including darkness and then hope, um, which I really enjoy when it comes to a poetry collection, this idea of starting kind of in the dark and coming out on the other end. And um, the second poem is called 10 Things You Should Know About Mental Illness. And if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know, then I don't know what to say. Um, I really love that title just because I think that mental illness still has quite a bit of stigma. And as someone who also writes about mental illness, it can be difficult to kind of promote your work or even tell strangers about it, right? Because if they're like, hey, what do you write about? And you're like, oh, I write about my inner demons. (laughs) Sometimes it can get really awkward. Um, So I really appreciate poets like Erica who put it all out there and who aren't ashamed of who they are and who show all aspects of themselves. I think that's pretty cool. All right, so the poem that Erica chose is called A Year of Drowning. It starts with an ending on the surface, The phone rings from a thousand leagues away, and the voice on the other end says the fruits of my labor of the past years have rotted. I am silent until I'm not, until the tiny oceans on my face do all the talking, until my breath is all salt and sweat. Two months later, new fruit streams forth, but on the third day, there is a noticeable absence of light. I find myself on bereavement leave, but I do not, I cannot grieve. My body is too far engulfed for feeling things like that. 
Just when I start to catch my breath, it gets caught in my throat again. The water rises and keeps rising. Fluorescent lights buzz, flicker overhead. From where I am, the light is bent as it hits the rippling waters. The doctor speaks and I listen, but I do not hear because what he says is far too much for my waterlogged ears to bear right now. I hold my breath and hope for the best as I sink further and further down. My mother's fine brown hair falls out in clumps and I'm tempted to pull my own out in fistfuls as nails dig into earth no longer in sight. I lay my head down on the coarse black denim of my boyfriend's jeans and sleep only to awaken to a sickness picked up where others are just trying to get better. I pick at wounds that have scabbed multiple times over, tell myself it's to save my own skin when it's really trying to save myself from me. I watch the blood form tiny pools on my shell. I hope it's only the bad kind of blood that makes the best escape artist of them all. At night, I look at my arms and think how someone could make a day of playing connect the dots there. At night, I look at my arms and think how someone could make a day of playing connect the dots there. Draw the line on how far I'll go. The water is deep and I'm only a quarter of the way through it. See how the stars ripple with every movement I dare to make as I fight and flail just to keep from hitting rock bottom. Yeah, this is, this is a really wonderful poem. Um, and it's split into parts that um, aren't enumerated, so I didn't necessarily say them, but they each have, it, it has a distinctive feeling within each part. And um, what I really like is um, toward the end of the first part, it says, quote, the water rises and keeps rising. And the reason I read it like that is because the word rising, the R, begins on the bottom line and the rest of the word flows upward so that the g ends up being higher than the r just like the word is rising which i think is pretty awesome all right so i'm going to begin by sharing some of what erica sent me she said that a year of drowning is her favorite poem because quote it allowed for so much vulnerability in sharing small snippets of some of the most difficult moments i had to endure within the span of a year it felt cathartic to write, despite its dark premise, and it also came out of one of my favorite poetry workshops I've taken. I just love how it all came together. And you can feel that, um, the different moments of this very difficult year of drowning, and I want to speak to that theme of drowning. Um, I do love when poets kind of carry a metaphor, and here there's, quote, my body is too far engulfed for feeling things like that, end quote. And then, ugh, this one, quote, until the tiny oceans on my face do all the talking, until my breath is all salt and sweat, end quote. There's just so much of this water in here. I mean, even, um, quote, I do not hear because what he says is far too much for my waterlogged ears to bear right now, end quote. This idea of tragedies multiplying and multiplying and multiplying, and you're just left in this space where... You're not dead, but you're not alive either. You're just struggling. Um, and I can definitely identify with that. And I'm sure many of you out there can too, especially after everything that's happened and everything that is still currently happening. It, this limbo space is just heart-wrenching and red, <laughs> um, just very, very red. And that brings me to um, the third section, which is, quote, I pick at wounds that I've scabbed multiple times over, end quote. 
<laughs> that the amount of times I've picked up my scabs and just refused to let myself heal. Um, and I can feel that in this poem, this wanting to expose all of the darkness and depth and difficulty that comes with just trying to survive. It, it really speaks to me. And this is kind of Erica's collection in general, this showing off of pain, these feelings that live within us that we try to hide but can't escape from. And we can't escape from just the ocean, the water rising and getting caught and bringing us down. There's a heaviness to drowning. There's a heaviness to water. And you really feel that heaviness in this poem as well. And I love the last line, uh, quote, as I fight and flail just to keep from hitting rock bottom, end quote. There's a connection there, right? Because we all know what rock bottom is. It's the end, but in this case too, a gear of drowning, rock bottom is the ocean floor. It's the end of the line. It's having drowned. Um, I just really love all the parallels in this poem and how they come together to create something that is very, very powerful for the reader. Okay, so um, that first poem, A Year of Dream, was in darkness, and so I decided to choose a poem from the section titled Hope, and so this poem is titled Light in the Fog. I've always loved the way light interacts with fog, the way it filters through like moonlight on a cobweb. And the concave light breaks through the silhouetted trees, forming ripples, turning smoke into an iridescent kaleidoscope. When the sunlight rises over the clouded horizon, the fog settles over fresh drops of dew. Light passes through the droplets, creating a prismatic effect and the transparent shadows of morning continue to brighten the fog. As these events unfold, we lie in silence in this moment. You'll be the fog and I'll be the light. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of reasons I love this poem. Um, one is that I also love light and fog. There's just something so effervescent about that. And Erica captures that so beautifully here. It really is a poem rooted in the real, right? Rooted in something that you can actually see and experience and almost hold. I feel like fog kind of has a, a textile, a texture to it. Um, but just like with the A Year of Drowning, Erica brings this natural phenomenon to herself and to her work about how there it's it turns out it's actually two people, maybe more. Well, probably two, because it says you and I. Two people watching this fog unfold, watching this event happen in front of them. And I love this idea of the light becoming more than just itself. It becomes, quote, a kaleidoscope, end quote, or it becomes, quote, quote, a prismatic effect, end quote. This, this thing, right, like fog obscures, fog makes it difficult to see, but light illuminates and the two things together make something that isn't either of them, right? Like this prismatic light through the fog, it's not that we necessarily see any better. We see worse than we would if there was no fog, but we see better than there would if there was no light. It's this liminal space, this in-between space that these two people are seeing and being a part of. And the persona ends up being uh, the light and the person with her ends up being the fog, this complementary. And this is such an important moment throughout this collection because up until now, this persona has been in the darkness, has been literally in the first part of this book called Darkness, has been struggling. And now the persona has become the light, has become the thing that lets you see. And that to me is just incredible and really beautiful. And 
it's just, these are just two of the incredible poems within Erica's collection that I really, really love. And so I encourage you to pick up Self-Portrait as a Sinking Ship today. And here's a little bit about Erica. Erica Abbott, she, her, is a Philadelphia-based poet and writer whose work has previously appeared or is forthcoming in Serotonin, Feral, Gnashing Teeth, Selkuth Station, Anti-Heroin Chic, and many other journals. She's the author of Self-Portrait as a Sinking Ship, her debut poetry chapbook. She volunteers for Button Poetry and Mad Poet Society and writes for the Write or Die tribe. You can follow her work on Twitter at Erica underscore Abbott and on Instagram at poetry underscore Erica, as well as on ericaabbott.wordpress.com. For the ending segment of um, this podcast, I'm going to read a poem that I wrote. This is actually the one of the very first poems that I got published, and I figure since I have a copy of Ocean Currents, I should go back to where it all began. So this poem was published in Parentheses Magazine's third issue, and um, I really recommend that publication, by the way. Their uh, magazine is super high quality and just, like, very beautiful, so check them out. All right. Rundown. At the end of my street, there is a house where I can peel off the outer walls and twirl the paint curls around my fingers. It has gasping eyes where windows should be, shutters, decoration for an empty box, that aren't the same color as the walls surrounding them. The house sticks out on my street like a mole on your face or a sore thumb, or like the time my mother turned to me with salty cheeks and said, I love you. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Um, hopefully the next episode will be out somewhat soon. I'll keep you guys posted. Be sure to follow at Poetry Allowed Pod on Twitter. That way you always know when the next episode is out. Um, and I'm really eager to hear what you guys thought of this episode. Um, so the logo for Poetry Allowed was created by Sophia Tancredi and the music by Violet Smith. And until the next episode, I encourage you all to keep writing. Mm -hmm.